This episode, you'll hear from Lauren Trot Trottier, originally from Canada, always smooth and under control. He resigned as a major in 91, but continued in the Air Force Reserves to a full retirement and uh, flew for Delta for over 25 years. Here you go. So I like to always start these off with the same fundamental question, and that is, you know, we're, we're coming up on 50 years ago. Uh, what message would you like to leave for the uh, incoming class, the current cadets, the uh, recent grads, and the guys in our ear about your experience there, what, what you thought of the academy? Well, first thing, it was a very enlightening experience, probably the most difficult thing that uh, anyone can really do for themselves. Um, I know that the new, it's the hardest thing that uh, anybody does. I know they always say the older class is always tougher when I was there, but it's, I think it's tough for everybody, every, for everybody. Uh, my uh, biggest thing for uh, me was just perseverance. Just stick it out, take it day to day and keep pressing on, stay positive. The best you can, because uh, there's going to be ups and downs. Did you ever think of quitting? Um, well, you know uh, what is it? What was the? Uh, we're all doing a countdown at the <laughs> first or the uh, second class of year. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I kept pressing in, and then uh, after basic training, I said, "Well, I can't quit now. I can't." Not, I can't go home with a haircut like I have got, so <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just keep pressing on. Ah, uh, we we had the same haircut, man. It was it took me forever <laughs> to grow. I, I said I I'll quit when I can comb my hair. By that time, I was on in so much trouble. I figured they'd throw me out, so I I just stick around till they threw me out. <laughs> just keep keep pressing on, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, and and uh, I wanted to ask you what. What did you think of the uh, first week? Because I remember distinctly a uh, cannon. Oh, well, the, I'm, I kind of went in there with, even though I knew some people that had gone through, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And I thought, well, when that cannon went off, that uh, kind of opened up our eyes and said, uh oh, this isn't uh, what I had imagined it to be. And so reality struck really quick. That that was a severe change in attitude at that point. Now, <laughs> I guess they do it differently now. They get them when they get on the bus before they even get to the cadet area. But Oh, really? Yeah. we. Uh, yeah, that, that was one of the things I thought. I'm glad I didn't know a lot of the things that was coming. Because <laughs> then, then I wouldn't. Uh, I just took it as it came instead of uh, worrying about it. Yeah, you you and I are similar. I I was oblivious to what was really going to happen at the at the detail level. I knew it was supposed to be hard the first year, right? But they fired that cannon. I wet myself. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on? And all of a sudden, these people came marching out of the stairwell, screaming at us. Oh, that was that was when exciting. They, when they charged us, I said, "I don't know, uh, fight or flight. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> Just stand here and hope they don't see you, right?" Yeah. <laughs> so. So, what was your uh, what dually squadron were you in? Uh, I was in the uh, well, we we're Jaguars in basic training, and then twenty uh, third uh, squadron. Okay, was that old dorm or new dorm? That was the old dorm. Yep. Right at right at the last of the old dorm area. Yeah, it was kind of like one 
one alcove in in from the end, I think, and like down one level from the terrazzo. So what did you think duly year when they said we couldn't wear uniforms anymore downtown? Oh, I thought that was like uh, cool, but uh, I didn't even know that we had any uh, jeans or anything that we could wear. It was yeah. kind of, we, you could always still pick us out. I, I knew that was the case. Yeah, I was just I was just trying to set the stage for folks to understand what what the geopolitical arena was like for us as uh, as cadets fifty years ago. It yeah, was yeah. really it, well, you know, just coming off Vietnam, it was uh, in. Well, we were still in Vietnam when we went there, and uh, I think the attitude was not well. I, I came, you know, grew up in Oregon, and it's it's quite quite uh, liberal over there and they were not uh, very military oriented or military positive and when I went to the uh, academy it was like oh what are you doing uh, but that was that was a way to get get into flight school and that was my goal so where when did you come up with that idea and, and yeah what what led you from uh, that the hippie state of Oregon to the, yeah, the- academy? <laughs> <laughs> well the uh, See, well, I was born in Canada, and so my neighbor, when I was growing up, I helped him build his house, and he was a, a pilot in uh, World War II, and he flew the hump, and so we started talking, and, you know, when, when I was a kid, we I always built model airplanes, and, you know, we didn't have RCs at the time. You had those little U-controls, and I built a zillion of those things broke every one of them i think and then uh he said well he got me interested in uh flying you know for real and he had a, a instructor friend that was uh downtown and when i was 15 we got together and he said do you want to get serious about this and i said yeah you betcha so started flying when i was 15 and uh sold it on my 16th birthday and i said man this is uh quite a ways to go to get into any kind of flying career. And the only way to really get into a flying career at the time was uh, in uh, the military, hmm. and, you know, to fly jets and that sort of thing. So we, uh, that's when I started putting my sights on getting into uh, the military and then how to do that. Uh, the only people that were actually getting pilot training slots at the time were uh, academy grads they're guaranteed a, a pilot training slot if you uh, maintain your qualification. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's where, that's where I can't focused in on it. And I said, well, I thought about ROTC and all that business, but uh, those guys were not getting slots. They were getting passed over for them. So I said, well, let me try a sure thing. And, and so I applied for the Academy and got it. I got it nominated as an alternate. And, uh, and being a hippie state of Oregon, the <laughs> primary guy said, I'm going somewhere fun. And so that left me and they, they called me up. That's, that's pretty cool. So, uh, had you been there before? Oh, to the Academy? Yeah. Yeah. I, we visited, uh, when I was a sophomore in, um, uh, high school, we went to Colorado. I had an aunt that lived in Colorado Springs and worked for the defense it was ADC, I guess it was, down in the Chitlaw building. 
Okay. And uh, so she, she had she had actually worked at the academy in Arnold Hall when it was first uh, uh, when they first moved to the uh, Springs. From yeah. I think it was up from Lowry, was it that they started? Yeah. They marched on down, yeah. And so she was, uh, she was a secretary, and she said, "You had to think about this." So <laughs> she kind of gave us a tour of the academy and everything, and so that kind of put the bug in my ear. So your na- your neighbor was a, a a pilot, and he got you flying at a young age. What, he now, did. Was this Canada, or is this not Oregon? No, this is in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the reason I, I mentioned Canada was uh, to get to the academy, I had to become a citizen. So when I was 17, uh, I went ahead and uh, became naturalized. So I, so I do everything backwards. When everybody was running to Canada <laughs> in Vietnam, I came running from Canada. So I don't know. Now, did you co- did you come out from BC or was it Eastern Canada? No, is uh, I was born in a White Horse, uh, Yukon. Yukon, okay. Way up there. Way up there. Yep, yep. So. Anyway, do you, ever, do you ever go back up? Oh, uh, I have not been to Whitehorse, but I've been up to you know Canada. I still have relatives up in Edmonton and Calgary and that area, oh, uh, Western cool. Canada. So we go visit when we can. I have a uh, I, I, this is going to kill the uh, podcast, but I got a friend who uh, uh, spent the last couple of years as like the the governor of a little pro- province or a, a little section outside of Whitehorse. So he was out even more remote than Whitehorse. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting character. He lives in Vancouver now. So, so, mm-hmm. so the, to continue with our theme today, not me getting distracted here. Um, you go to the Academy and you're, and you're going through this freshman year and then all of a sudden something called hell week pops up. How was that? Oh, that was wonderful. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one of, you know, they'd been kind of, you know, for foreshadowing this uh, hell week for about a month. So we kind of got really uh, nervous about it. And it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, week. They, uh, you know, they, they <laughs> when, when we finally got recognized, it was like, wow, that was just the coolest thing in the world. Rob vacation now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. So the the psychology of Hell Week is uh, probably was scared most of us more than the actual Hell Week itself. Yeah, I don't think I went back to my room once when it hadn't been turned over. Yeah, uh, that whole yeah. week. It's a weird, uh, weird, a weird deal that they do in the middle of academics. I know, I know. It's kind of well, well. So. And then so from there you get assigned to this uh, eclectic crowd known as the Pink Panthers. That's right. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Doe and I were the two that uh, we we were in 23rd squad. We were Jaguars, 23rd squadron, and then we were assigned to 36, the Pinks. Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. It's kind of ironic when we uh, graduated. We, uh, you know, how they had every other seat was on uh, one side of the stadium, and then the other side of the stadium. The evens and the odds, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were two numbers away from each other and we actually sat together during the graduation. That's kind of oh weird. My. Oh my. Well, that, that, that's weird because Ron Barron was one spot behind me and I did not know that until many years later. 
Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was even, he was odd. So he was across the, uh, the way from me. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, tell me about the, uh, the squadron spirit and what, I mean, what, uh, what did you think of the, the antics? No, oh, I thought we had a great time. Uh, we had all sorts of talent. You got guys that, uh, I remember, uh, Jim Fagan with, with his, uh, blowtorch he, he could blowtorch at the all the pep rallies and everything that was really cool <laughs> and georgie was tall enough to be the big pink so he was always in, he was always in the the pink panther outfit did you uh <laughs> did you get involved in any of the uh, mid late night stuff oh there's a few things uh you know the the uh Swimming in the air gardens before they uh, <laughs> closed it up. Remember that one? Yeah. 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 And I remember, um, well, you brought up Ron Barron when we were, we called him the rocket man because <laughs> remember the day that he set up, well, I helped him set it up. I was CQ and I helped him set up the uh, rocket that shot out the uh, stairwell over the first East parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 when when that went off, I couldn't believe how much how many firecrackers he had packed into that thing. It looked like a airburst over the thing, and boy, I, I knew we were going to be in trouble. And you know, group was just down the hall, so <laughs> it didn't take but two seconds for them to come zipping down there. So I guess, and I think it was Kai and uh, Ron. They split. They disappeared. And I was left trying to trying to answer what just happened. <laughs> and I, I remember saying a lot of things like, uh, "Sir, that is an improper question." <laughs> and, and, and that didn't that didn't please them very well at all. So we, I think we got in a little bit of trouble on that one. Did you get written up at all, or? I uh, got a couple of demerits for uh, for dereliction of duty, I guess, but they didn't know the extent of it. And then uh, I, I'm not sure. But I think Ron and uh, Kai got got a little more trouble. Well, no, I know they got CDBs. They got slammed pretty good. Yeah. And I know they both got moved out of the squadron after that year. Was it that year or the next year? Well, the after that year, so it was the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Kai, Kai never really got over it either. He's still mad about that. <laughs> oh, I I would be too. And. Who is it? Odie, I think he went out as well. And Tom, uh, we lost, we lost four guys primarily, I think, because we didn't have anybody quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Although was, we, we did have one guy quit. We had one guy the very first month, I think, he didn't didn't stick around. In uh, in in the squadron. Yeah, a guy named Rich Rich Polemi. Hmm, I don't remember that. Hmm. Yeah, he, he was gone by October, I think, of our our sophomore year. Sophomore year. Huh. Yeah. So, what what do you attribute the uh, the sense of humor? All I mean, what I, I'm I'm trying to send the message to the crowd that um, you can go to the academy, you're going to eat crap, it's going to be military, military. But if you can blow off some steam every once in a while, it'll it'll be good for you while you're there. But also, it'll be good for you for 50 years because. Other than Ron Zimmerman, we've all stayed alive through all kinds of stuff 
Yeah. And, yeah. and I attribute some of that to this, this ability to blow off steam when the crap is hitting the fan. What do you, do you have any, uh, yeah, I agree with that. that. We, uh, I think we had a pretty cohesive, uh, bunch. We, uh, stuck together pretty well. Um, uh, there's idiosyncrasies here and there, but for the most part, I think, uh, as a class, we, uh, you know, kind of had our own little spirit and we kept it going. Yeah. Now, one other really unique thing about the Pink Panthers is we got to go to Southern California every Thanksgiving. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, to go uh, to Lancaster, Edwards, and that was, uh, got to see some neat stuff. Got to see the <laughs> F- F-15s when they were yeah. getting flight testing out there and the, the shuttle. That was uh, an interesting uh, tour that we got. But, yeah, but the, the primary reason wasn't that. It was a bunch of girls. Yeah, well, there's that too. You know, that we, <laughs> they, there was a nice time to get a, get away from the uh, academy and try to be a civilian for a while. And this is before women were on, on the campus and basically when women in Colorado did not like military guys. So it was pretty uh, pretty exciting for us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There, uh, That era, there were uh, the military was not a very fond place to be in. And I, and I think that helped cement our bond within the squadron, too. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. guys just really. Now, I've talked to another character. He says that uh, you guys used to travel, had a lot of fun travels together. What, do you got any stories for the Greg Lewis trips you made? Well, well Greg and I went to uh, Hawaii one summer. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We He had a buddy out there, or his dad's friend, uh, who had an airplane. And we uh, were able to fly to from the, uh, Oahu to Lanai, which was at the time, was uh, inaccessible to the public. So oh. we, we were like special uh, ops out there. It was kind of fun. And it was a pineapple island, so we, we gorged ourselves in pineapples. <laughs> and then uh, one of the cool things was we thought, well, let's uh, see if we can get down to the Navy, uh, Pearl Harbor and get on a submarine so we got our cadet uniforms on and we got all dressed up and went down there and <clears throat> jumped uh, on board and and you know saluted the the boat and the commander and saluted the flag and and said we want to see your boat and they said <laughs> they abruptly turned us around and said go away so, <laughs> we said oh well that that was a bust but they did sent us down to public relations and we got a, on a list and so when about two or three days later early in the morning uh, we get a call from from the public relations and they said do you want to eat, eat uh, lunch with the commander of the uss pogo that was a submarine out there and he said you betcha so we again jumped grabbed down our uniforms and headed down there and, and had lunch with the with the officers down in uh, the in the tour of the boat, which is kind of cool. That's neat. What what kind of boat was it? It was a nuke sub. Yeah. When the, and I can't remember all the class. You wouldn't know that. Being a well, I, I don't. Sub. I don't know the submarines that well, but I I know that they don't have exactly have spacious quarters. No, no. <laughs> it was a, it was an eye opening experience. I said, well, I'm glad I didn't go to the Navy. So, <laughs> at yeah. least in the submarine forces. Well, their spaces were about as big as ours. I, we we had <laughs> had more people and places to walk around, but not much. Yeah, I believe you. I believe we, you. 
we could get fresh air. They couldn't get fresh air. So I'll, I'll say yeah. that. Um, so then you graduate. And you were, you were top of the class, right? In uh, At the academy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that far from it. I'm Jimmy. looking up at everybody else, so I'm asking you how far up you were. No, no. <laughs> Excuse me. Like I said, Jimmy Doe and I were sitting together. He was more of a military kind of guy. And he did very well in the MOMs, and and I I did not his his so we kind of he was the military guy, and I was kind of the academic guy. I wasn't that yeah. smart, but I was survived. Well, you're and, on the you're on Dean's good list a couple times. I know that uh, a couple times, yeah. Huh. Well, uh, well, the first the first semester <laughs> when we got out of uh, basic training, yeah. we started academics. I, uh, my first progress report, they put me on academic probation. And the reason was, remember military training? Yeah. They used to give us those classes in, over the summer. And then they, they continued them into the academic year. Well, I'm going to these academic classes, and I think it's just a continuation of the summer harassment program. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't take it very seriously. Uh oh. So and when the progress report came out, I had a big F wow. in military training. I said, <laughs> You're are you kidding me? You're grading this stuff? You I didn't know take it, it seriously? I, <laughs> I didn't even know it was a class. That shows you how much I would paid attention. So for the first uh progress report, they put me on academic probation, which like I say, there's a you know there's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, for the all the tours I had to march, now I could convert them to confinements. Ah, and so I got to go into confinements, and duly year was wonderful because they couldn't bother you for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I closed the door and and had a radio and then took my naps and got my studies done and. And uh, yeah, then then I think I made Dean's list <laughs> the next <laughs> semester, so that ended that program. That's cool. But, yeah. So what you what you do for your summer uh, your 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 summers other than that first year? Okay, the first year, uh, you know what happened there. Yeah. And then uh, second year was uh, I had we had Siri, and I can't I think. I oh I know what I, we had uh, uh, airborne. We went to airborne. The first there's three periods. The first one is uh, airborne. Then I had Siri. The second and then third was you know your basic leave. I think I I got to go home on that one. And then uh, the next year we had uh, third lieutenant, and I went down to uh, Bergstrom uh, in Texas here, which is closed now I think. And uh, did RF4s. We got oh, to fly, cool. fly RF4s that, that summer. That was kind of fun. And and I can't remember what. I think it was that. Did we just have two things that summer? Well, you always had three things in the summer. One, leave. First beast, second beast. Uh, as a part oh, of I know country. what I, I did. The survival training. 
That's what I, I was a, a Syrian instructor, survival. Oh, okay, so you're an interrogator or something like that? No, I didn't do the interrogation. I just did the survival stuff, took them out on the track and that sort of thing. <laughs> watch them eat bugs. <laughs> watch them eat bugs and chase, chase rabbits, you know, so and keep them from killing themselves. And then, uh, then the, the, the senior year, I got basic training again, double beast. Oh, they, wow. Uh, they gave me a, a element during the squadron or not a squadron, but an elm flight. And, uh, I was doing, yeah, I carried the guys through the, and I can't, I, I think it was Jaguars again. I can't, I, I, I got them. <laughs> you're really, you're really, I don't, I remember I was in the deltas as a dually, but I don't, when I was in beast, uh, as instructor or part of the uh, upper class, I don't remember what the, the groups were. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to look back and see what it, if it jogs my memory, but that's what I did that summer. And so, so, so you graduate and you headed off to Reese, right? Yeah, I went to Reese. Um, uh, that was the year they they remember they did the um, they tried to maximize everybody's choices, and I knew everybody <laughs> was going to go for Willie. So I said, yeah. "Well, I better just go for my my first second choice." And uh, it turned out to be Reese, which turned out to be pretty pretty good flying out there. Now, where where is Reese? <clears throat> uh, it's in Lubbock, Texas. It's closed okay. now as well. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm at, that's what I'm asking you to help pinpoint it for people that don't have the history book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, in Lubbock, Texas, just uh, south of uh, Amarillo. So, what did you what what aircraft did you get assigned after that? Uh, after uh, well, that was a I did fairly well in pilot training. Uh, I was up at the top of the class, and I thought, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to get an F-4. I thought that was going to be because there was a bunch of them. Yeah. And sure enough, and my uh, T-37 instructor called me and said, I, said, I want you to come fly uh, tweaks, you know, as a FAPE, and first assignment IP. And I said, eh, I think I'm going to, I got a good shot at a, at a fighter. And, and he, he kind of made a comment that was foreshadowing that I didn't realize at the time. He says, oh, yeah, but you might get a B-52, too. Uh-oh. Oh, so I said, no, nah, there's no chance of that. So <laughs> sure enough, when we had assignments night and we stand up to hear what we uh, got, all I heard was B. And I go, oh, no, I didn't even remember where it, where it was assigned to. And so I ended up getting a B-52 to Barksdale. And I went there kicking and screaming. I did not want to be in SAC. I did not want to be in B-52s. I wanted a fighter. Da, da, da. And that's another thing just as a career uh, point is um, there's always a reason for some things. And uh, sometimes it looks like the worst thing can ever happen to you is going to happen. And, but it turns out to be the, one of the best things can ever, ever happen to you. <laughs> so. and, and where do you think that attitude shift comes from? I'm not sure. It's uh, it probably comes from just uh, being, you know, keeping a positive uh, outlook and uh, keep, keep pressing on. Uh, try and what I did was I uh, I escaped SAC and I escaped B-52s for a while when uh, I got appointed to go to test pilot school. Yeah. yeah, that is is that pretty rare to go from uh, B-52s to test pilot? 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty. Uh, I had one other classmate. He was from Carswell. Carswell. He uh, he got a B fifty two as well. Well, and he got into test pilot school, same class as I did. And there's another guy that had C nines. There's only I think four of us out of thirteen that were uh, heavy drivers, and the others were uh, you know fighter pilots and. Uh, F-111s, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, so that was my, you know, knuckled down in, uh, and I actually did like flying the, the mission in the B-52. It was a good mission. And we uh, got got to do a lot of flying and qualified for test pilot school. So I did get to escape uh, SAC and B-52s for, and it, it wasn't the mission, it was the sitting alert. I didn't like the alert thing. Yeah. Because uh, what was that? That was like 20, 36 on, 24 no, off? No, no, you're on for a week, yeah, a week at a time. Wow. And, and, and every other, every third week you're on alert. So it, was a, it got to be kind of, kind of, uh, every, and all my buddies are flying all over the world and I take off out of Barksdale and fly for 15 hours and land at Barksdale. I said, <laughs> that was, I said what kind of air force is this? So, well, did you go anywhere? Well, we ended up doing, we did get some TDYs uh, here and there sprinkling. Uh, well, I mean, on your 15 hour mission to just circle Louisiana or what? Oh no, no. We went all over, <laughs> we went all over the country and over the Atlantic, over the Pacific. Over, okay. you know, all, all over the United States mainly. And Good. Then, you, you were just turning circles over Louisiana. That's no, cool. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was all over the place. But but we always came back to Barksdale. And you had to get refueled, what, for a 15-hour flight a couple times? Uh, usually, usually one time. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we didn't even have to take on the gas. We just had to uh, just practice refueling. Did you fly low levels in the B-52s? It was low-level missions, high-level missions. We did uh, uh, an interesting one was we used to go uh, fly a grid for the Navy to try to spot the uh, Soviet subs. Right. We did that. We did a lot of that. Um, and it also, you know, dropped some, some mines. They outfitted the B-52s. To drop mines and uh, and also low level high drag uh, bombs and yeah. of, course, of course the big mission. So, did you? Um, I'm just curious. Did you get involved in uh, some of the planning of and loading and all that stuff of the aircraft, or was it all done by other people? Well, uh, the planning of the missions we did for sure, uh, uh, and everybody had their job. You know, the the ordnance people would you know, load the, load the weapons and, and, um, the birds that sat on an alert, we had to, you know, every Thursday we didn't do a changeover, uh, from the crews and, uh, we'd have to go and, you know, do a pre-flight of everything and get everything ready for the week. And, and then in between the alert cycles, that's when we did the, uh, uh, missions. We usually flew, um, mission planned the day before. And then it flew the mission the next day, and then debriefed the uh, the day after that. So it was like <laughs> like like a three day process for yeah. a, for a mission. Wow. That's a that's a different cycle than we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. 
But uh, now I'm I'm just looking at your record. It it looks like you were there for six years at Barksdale. I was at uh, Barksdale for six, and then uh, I went to test pilot school after that in, uh, at Edwards, and we flew a bunch of things there. What, what kind of stuff? Yeah. that you're allowed to tell, tell talk about. Oh yeah, they uh, the uh, the school had. At that time, they have F-16s and F-15s now, but at that time they had uh, F-4s, A-7s, T-38s, A-37s, and then a KC-135, a Twin Otter, and uh, I think that was the core. And then we had airplanes that would come in to visit. Navy had flew a lot of uh, S-3s. Some of the Navy airplanes came in. Then we'd go on a field trip, and I got to fly their trainers, the T, T1s and T4s. Uh, now, typically when you're doing a, a, you're a test pilot school, aren't you testing new experimental stuff or is it all re- pu- pushing the envelope on all the existing stuff? Well, it, it, the school itself is kind of broken up into uh, um, academic blocks. The first one was in, in like pedostatics and performance. Then we got into uh, flying qualities, and then we got into stalls and spins, departures, and uh, then uh, it's sort of like a uh, finals course. You pick a project, and I did it. Uh, uh, you pick a project on an airplane, and I picked the uh, twin otter, and we did. Uh, uh, what they call VMCA minimum control test speed tests on it. And, and you create your, uh, uh, a simulated test program. Well, it's that it is actually a test program and you run through it and that's kind of your graduating thesis, I guess, is how you want to put it yeah. before you graduate. And then, and then that was that year. And then, um, uh, my follow on assignment from there was to write Patterson. Uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And that was there for two and a half to three years. And my first real flight test program was a C-130 that they had a, uh, uh, made a Bombay out of it. And they, they dropped this gyro stabilized uh, big old, <laughs> is like 54 inch diameter uh uh, stabilized turret that they dropped through and they would use it to uh, analyze uh, seeker heads on missiles. Ah. And it was, it was that way they could so that the, the test program itself for me was it since it involved structures it was it was uh, the ex, you know expanding the whole envelope again and so it was a it was a real good program to get you know Right off the bat, yeah. Oh, it's, it sounds so, it sounds fascinating. Although you know, yeah. you're not supposed to talk about any secret stuff, so shut up. No, there was there was <laughs> too much too many secret programs there. The only the only I did have a couple little black programs, but yeah, one was um, it it's out now. But uh, I did the uh, B two when it was black. I did the uh, first flight test uh, review for it. I didn't fly it. I flew the simulator, but I didn't fly the, the uh, airplane itself. But I 
kind of did the flight review for the safety review for the uh, first flight of the of the airplane. Then yeah. uh, President Reagan brought it out. I think just before for the first flight, I think he made it public. Yeah, we almost we almost hit it on the midair on its second flight. Oh, really? Oh, we were taking <laughs> off at it, taking off at Edwards. They said you're going to see something and doing the tailwind landings at your nose and you're not, and you're not supposed to know what it is. And this giant thing went under us and we <laughs> missed it by like 50 feet. Like what the hell was that? They, what the heck was that? Yeah. You'll read about it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, and then, so there's a, uh, there's two squadrons at Wright Patterson while I was there. One is the, uh, Araya, they called it, it was 135s with a big nose. They had a radar uh, in there and he tracked yeah. all the missiles at the time missile launches and the shuttle launches and those guys would go out and do that and i was in a, a kind of the cats and dogs squadron we had uh c-130s c-141s um, t-39s and t-37 that was our core uh bunch of airplanes that we the test beds that we did uh tests for and then um then there's a couple other pro one of the programs I brought in was uh, I did the source selection for the T1 trainer, the the new undergraduate pilot training trainer yes. that replaced the T37s. Yeah. I brought I brought that in, and then um, there's a couple other smaller programs. One was uh, Air National Guard was replacing their T uh, T29s with uh, these. Uh, uh, it ended up being the, um, uh, let's see, Swearinger okay. uh, airplanes. So so with all the different type of aircraft and all the different missions, do you think back and realize that maybe the Academy's stress stuff was good for your brain? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it was uh, being able to uh, categorize things and, and prioritize and they they were very good at uh, getting your attention and making <laughs> you remember how you you had to uh, kind of think on your feet. Yep. And I think that was uh, that that in itself is it was a benefit in my in doing all the things that I was doing at the time, <laughs> and, and not not as stressful, but as as far as keeping things in order and, and getting things accomplished. Yeah. Well, I, it may not have been a stressful car because they baked it in us for four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, I'm curious, Strat, did you ever have any uh, close calls you want to share? Well, um, there's, that was a couple of them. Most of them were, uh, the, and the, you know, major stuff with a B 52s. We're flying a, low-level mission over uh, New, uh, Queensland, uh, Australia. And we hit a, we had a bird strike and it was a uh, Australian wedge-tailed eagle. Oh my. And those things are huge. Yeah. And, and that, I, when I first flew, we were flying the low level and we saw this thing and, and it, it, it was kind of just gliding around. It looked like we're out in the middle of nowhere. It looked like a Cessna 172 is out there doing something. Wow. What's, what's that airplane doing out here? <laughs> and then when we rounded the corner, the thing, 
actually tried tried uh, to attack us. <laughs> it, 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 so because they're very come to find out later that they're very territorial. Well, when he when he uh, came at us, I tried to maneuver away from him, and it went right into the uh, leading edge of the uh, left wing root. Ooh. And when it when it went through, it uh, knocked off uh, the generators on the left engines, and because it cut through the cables, these cables are like an inch thick, and it wow. cut through those things, cut into the side of the airplane, and went right into the middle of the in front of the bomb bay and hit the thwat the throttle quadrants. The were bird, all, were the bird all we had eight engines, of course, and all these thr the throttles from all the eight engines come to one spot, and and it's sort of like a, you know, golden BB. Wow! They, <laughs> they, it hit it and and immediately shut down two of my engines, and and we had to shut another one down because it went uncontrollable. So we limped back. To, we were, uh, we had to limp back to Guam. Uh, it was about two thousand miles to get around it typhoon and so that that was kind of <laughs> and looking down at the great barrier reef it and we said oh i hope the sharks got fed yeah so man that, that was a that was a uh, one of the close ones and then another one and here here's another bird story we were uh the first flight at barksdale we were taken off uh, in the morning for an operational inspection. And we were the first flight out and boy, we, we started rolling down the runway. And after we got committed, all these birds from these seagulls started just, just rising out of the grass. And there must've been a 10,000 of these things. <laughs> so they came up and we, uh, I t tried to keep the airplane as low to the, you know, on the deck as possible. And hopefully they flew above us. And then there's a point where I had to f climb up through them. And it sounded like a machine gun in a hailstorm. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. So, so we lost uh, three engines on that one, too. But you had eight engines. So, you're yeah. So, but, but we were so heavy, we couldn't land. Oh, so yeah. we had to, this is where we did orbit around Barksdale for uh, <laughs> about five hours to burn off the gas Gee. so we could land. So you flew, flew without uh, pressure in the, in the first bird strike for 2,000 miles? Uh, without pressure? What do you mean? In, air pressure inside the cabin. Inside no, the no, we were pressurized. We still were pressurized. Okay. The, uh, oh, the, the bird didn't hit, uh, it didn't get into the pressure vessel. It, okay. It uh, just went in the back of us. Well, you said it hit the fuselage in the bomb bay, and I'm thinking B-17s, you know, with all the... <laughs> right, <laughs> it's right. It's all yeah. open in there. I... It was kind of funny how it went in, but uh, it was really kind of crazy. It, it came in from the side, and then kind of, I guess it got deflected somehow into the center of the of the airplane. Yeah, we, we hit one once that was weird. It hit the, uh, you know, the little pylon that holds the, the pods on to the... Uh, to the aircraft mm -hmm. and we heard it and we okay we got a bird strike let's you know have our our wingman flew around us he, he couldn't see it we couldn't see any indication so we get back to the base and we're going we're looking around and we could not find where this bird hit our our airplane because mm -hmm. it, 
because we heard it. We, we had to hit the front stabilizer or something. And it wasn't until like 10 minutes later when the enlisted guys had gone out to uh, clean out the, you know, open the pods and make sure all the wiring was good that the bird gut <laughs> came out and spilled all over the, the oh. pod. It had gone totally into this thing and not, it had been self-contained. Sounds like sort of like you're uh, yeah. hitting the uh, the special, special sweet spot. Yeah, we uh, we ended up bringing half that bird home. A lot of it dropped out when we opened the uh, when we dropped the landing gear. Yeah, it, but uh, a lot of it was stuck all over the place in there. That's a messy deal. Yeah, that. That's, yeah. yeah, and you hit a big one like that. You're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky you came back. <laughs> that was a crazy one. So so after after another tour at Edwards, you were you'd been in the Air Force 15 years, and you got out. Well, yeah. Well. Uh, to continue from Wright Patterson, um, I was looking at another, uh, like a staff assignment, and I said, Well, maybe I should, I wanted to continue flying. So I was looking around, and uh, another program came up out of back to Edwards flying B 52s. And uh, I ran a missile test program called Test at Rainbow, it was a anti radiation missile. Hmm. And uh, I ran that program, and we had like 25 or 15 missile tests and we'd drop it off of a b-52 and it was a joint program we'd uh, um we'd drop it off the b-52 and uh, the h6 <laughs> all right yeah just uh just uh get ready to wrap it up so what what got you to uh leave oh uh, 20 years well uh i went back to right uh, from uh, right pad i went to edwards and uh, ran a missile test program there. And, and like I said, we dropped it out of B-52s and A-6s. And then we went, uh, so the program was coming to an end and it looked like I was probably gonna be sent to a staff job somewhere. Uh -huh. So I started looking for other flying jobs and uh, ended up getting a hold of the uh, guys at the K uh, KC-10 unit at Barksdale. Uh, I'd gone, back in the day, I'd been with these guys, the 135 guys uh, on alert a lot. And, and so we kind of kept in touch. And so I got, got uh, an interview with the commander to uh, join the Air Force Reserves and fly KC-10s out of Barksdale. Cool. So did got hired with them and uh, so i left active duty about 50, for 15 years and also got on with the delta airlines and uh finished up my last six years flying for uh the kc 10s they ended up moving us to mcguire in new jersey but uh anyway that was that was my air force portion of my flying career so did you get the full uh retirement there or a retirement out of it yeah i uh, got the uh retirement in, in the reserves yeah and you know with 15 years of uh, active duty it, it was almost 80 percent of a real retirement so it turned out pretty well yeah i only had i only had five years of an active duty but i ended up with uh about a third of a retirement which is pretty good yeah yeah it is and so finished up so i flew for uh <laughs> well i did what you're not supposed to do and and i kind of <laughs> knew i wasn't going to make general so yeah. I figured I just I stayed in the green bag flying for 21 years. So I thought that was a pretty good deal. Wow. And then that's uh, outstanding. Say again. That's outstanding. 
yeah yeah so i got to to live my dream anyway that was uh one of the things i you can tell the, the people is that there's so many opportunities out there you just got to keep your eyes open and uh keep be in the right place not necessarily at the right time but uh be ready to to uh move when you have to well plus i i think the message that you are projecting loud and clear is whatever whenever they're throwing all the lemons at you you do your best to make it into lemonade and things will work out yeah 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 it's uh it's surprising how uh you know, when the things look like and the worst, that turns out to be one of the best. You know, and, and you know how many dark days there were at the academy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. No, he, <clears throat> well, we we lightened them up with some entertaining uh, antics and and skiing and and just getting out to Palmdale once a year. All that stuff was a real important deal, I think. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Get get out and and take advantage uh, of all of the. Uh, that's one of the things that, that the academy has that was just outstanding is their athletic, uh, you know, uh, capabilities and, and the clubs, you know, the ski clubs. We used to go to those. And where else can you go skiing for a buck? You know, it's like great. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if it's that cheap anymore, but yeah, the, the bus and the, the box lunch for a dollar was that, that was outstanding. <laughs> I <know. Yeah. laughs> we had to pay a little more for the, uh, the lift tickets, but yeah. That was... Exactly. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, I, had, I hadn't been back to the Academy, but that twice I went to the 20 year reunion and then uh, the 40 year reunion, which is pretty good. Everybody, I think, most of us showed up there. Most of us, yeah, we 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 got excited about it. 